Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. You are listening to 3CR Spoken Word Program and I am George O'Hara. And today we have a live recording from the Dan O'Connell Hotel with the feature poet Michael Reynolds. Michael has been described as the patron saint of Melbourne's poetry and is much loved by poets around Melbourne. He grew up in Geelong but is a mad Hawthorne fan. He started reading at the Dan in 1999 and currently runs Passionate Tongues at the Brunswick Hotel every second Monday night. He has done a lot for everyone, encouraging new poets to continue having a go on the open mic and giving many of us our first features. He released a chapbook through Melbourne Poets Union called Upon Finding a Chair in the Forest in 2008, which has had four reprints since then. His work jumps out at you for its careful use of language and the hilarious wordplay poems. Michael is also known for his photography, and many of his photos have been used to advertise and promote poets all around Melbourne and serve as a record of the history of the poetry scene. So, let's have a listen to Michael. Thanks, Lydia. There was a young man from Limerick who said, wait, this is a haiku. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> Thanks. So the first, the first few that I'll read um, are actually based on um, on photos that I've seen, and uh, the, actually I'll, I'll dedicate the first one to um, Rob because he wrote one. He read one out about a couple of chairs. This is about one chair, and it's, and it's um, called "Upon Finding a Chair in the Forest." There is nobody else around, but you look about, for here is proof somebody has been before. Curiosity and amusement draw you to the metal and plastic chair, placed there by no one, for everyone. And you think of the crowded train, the one seat remaining, surely not for you. But your quick search confirms who the chair is for. It is yours, but only if you feel comfortable. Thank you. Uh, This is um, Love Heart Graffito. Someone painted a heart on a cold steel door. What were they thinking? Lost or stolen, one heart answers to the name of love, last seen on my sleeve. Heart seeking companionship, like-minded souls apply here. See, the door has a handle. Open it. My heart, even yours, is a simple action away. Whatever the reason, they were thinking about love and you who stopped to look. Thanks. Um, Yeah, this this, this one actually is... um, 
based on a uh, photograph of a burnt out uh, preschool or kindergarten or whatever and um, I'll, um, and this is um, this is one that I added in after listening to Khalil's poem about fire and um, and looking up looking at um, this particular picture I looked for something that was green um, like you do of forests that have been burnt out you look for the first spot of um, of growth and the um, the only green in the picture was actually a piece of um, piece of string, and it's, um, so this is uh, this is this after the fire. The baling twine, suture for broken things, stops the barrier net from leaning further. A precarious defence. Fire line, keep out. Bright yellow snatches attention. A notice to take no notice. Thoughts turn to rebuilding, not if, but when and how long as replacement and regrowth after a bushfire. The first green foliage, diminishing blackness with optimism. The baling twine, first sign of repair, perennial, adaptable, ugly, hasty hero, gives me hope. Um, yeah, Fiona had a uh, had a poem about uh, uh, that, that had um, drowning as a metaphor. So uh, this is this is one of the ones that I um, made room for in in this one. So uh, so this is this is for Fiona. It's called the words. The words well up inside me until they are a sea. Do I say it now? And the monsters deep, deep down cannot swallow it all. The words crash in waves, form currents and tides pulled by the moon. Do I say it now? I wait till it's calm and plunge in, but the words choke and pull me under. Do I say it now? I struggle against them, away from the monsters, towards you. Say it. I stand on the edge of my mind, coughing on my words, and you are there. Say it now. And so am I. Yes, say it now. I love you. And I breathe once more. I'm going to get silly now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this, this, one's, this one's called Tautologically Speaking. I am a tautologist. I frequently, more often than not, use way too many unnecessary words in a superfluously verbose manner, when I really don't have to, usually. Those who are crisp and concise have the distinction of running the risk of being in serious danger of actively considering the implementation of an absolute abundance of to-the-point economy of language. If less means more, why is minimalist such a long word? We need longer words. Take abbreviation, for instance. What an attractively outstretched word. So why cut abbreviation, abbreviation to a brr? Conspiracy theorists also ask, why does monosyllabic have five syllables? Why spell phonetic with a PH? And why is there no anagram for anagram? Except anagram. It is unfair in these days of equality that essential is an adjective, but adjectives are not considered essential. Remember... 
That understatement is disastrously fatal to words like critical, serious, grave, extreme, paramount and whopping. Every conversation should contain at least one whopping and a few reallys to help cut back rampant minimalism. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, this, this one was partly inspired by Wendy Cope's I am a poet. I'm very fond of bananas. And, um, and also Jazz H. Duke's um, sound poem. So, um, so uh, that's, yeah, that's the one where he basically repeated sound poem until people got sick of him. So um, it's a permutation poem. Here we go. This is a sound poem. This poem is a sound. Is this a poem sound? Is this sound a poem? Is a poem this sound? This is a poem sound. A poem is this sound. This poem is sound, A. Eh? This psalm is a pound. Thoem is a piss sound. This is a pose mound. His son is a dumb poet. This, a poem, is no sud. O oh, Sodom, this is a pun. Poems sound a thissy. So this is a nud poem. Poo me, this is the sun. I know as I doth mess up. A po is un, so is thudum. That is so undum, o is. Unpo ethos is is mad. Sis a sothy done poem. Ha pussy is dent moo. This a poem isn't so ud. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, I've, I've got two more poems to finish this set, and um, both of them are for Komenos because he he's on both of them with his very first poem. Um, and um, the, this 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 particular one, the Cuckoo poem, got uh, published in the Australian Realist magazine in uh, about 2005 or something, and they actually added some cartoons to it. They're absolutely brilliant. But I've got a copy over at there, over there, if uh, anyone wants to have a look at the cartoons later on. But it, they're, they're they're brilliant. But this, yeah, here's the Cuckoo poem. The Cuckoo poet doesn't write poems. He gets others to write them for him. He sidles up to unsuspecting poets and lays a thought in their mind, saying something like, flatulent tram passengers. Socks are the larval form of coat hangers. There should be more films about ducks on Channel 2. That's what we pay them for. And that thought, when hatched, its eyes closed and without feathers, an ugly creature that only the destructive instinct parental love can nurture, will push all other ideas out of the foster poet's head. The sonnet that will make his childhood sweetheart from afar fall in love? Gone. The Nobel Prize winning epic about the life of Gandhi? No more. The ode to trees that's actually worth listening to? Out. 
cuckoo poet's thought grows quickly and is ravenous, swallowing bigger and bigger adjectives, similes, exclamation marks. The foster poet gets little rest, driven day and night, his creativity squeezed, twisted and sucked dry by the cuckoo poem as it mutates into numbered sections and rages against various authorities or rails against a past lover who probably didn't even know they were or pretends to mean something. No thesaurus or rhyming dictionary is safe from the demands a cuckoo poem places upon the hapless foster poet as he struggles to feed it. And when the cuckoo poem leaves its host after a long and difficult labour, its demands don't end there. For now, instead of saying, feed me, it says, read me. (laughs) This, ladies and gentlemen, is when a cuckoo poem can be recognised by the foster poet. For a cuckoo poem has a genetic flaw, an unusual power of attracting involuntary cries from an audience like, that's a stupid poem, or don't read it here again. Unfortunately, a new strain of cuckoo poem has shown signs of resistance to this defence. Alcohol has been named as a cause. This may be a reason for alarm at pub readings where the spread of cuckoo poems could go unchecked. However, there are other ways of detecting them. The reader might state, I wrote this one today, or proceed the poem with an apology. The introduction is longer than the poem and the reader has difficulty finding the poem in their pile of paper no matter how small that pile is. If you discover you are in possession of a cuckoo poem, seal it in a heavy-duty envelope and send it to Mianjin, Overland or any other approved depository and they will safely dispose of it for you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and finally, this poem is called And Finally, which immediately precedes the last one is. That one is followed by Just One More, which is a lead up to I'll Go After This One. Next is the one called Time for another one, but I can't read that without... Okay, I'll read the one I wasn't going to, which I thought was too long, but someone requested it. Then, after that, is I'll finish with. Finally, I'll read the one called How Much Time Have I Got? Which ends with the line, Oh, here's the one I couldn't find before. (laughs) Thank you very much for listening. You have been listening to a live recording from the Dan O'Connell Hotel with the feature poet, Michael Reynolds. A few words about poetry in Melbourne. The Dan O'Connell has poetry every Saturday at 2pm. Passionate Tongues is every second Monday at the Brunswick Hotel at 7.30pm. And Westward every second Sunday in Footscray at 2pm. Check out melbournespokenword.com for more info on the scene. And now, let's have some more of Michael. Thanks, Libby. Thanks, everyone, for hanging around. This is called Street Poet. Walking down Sydney Road, I saw a young man sitting on a bench seeking the attention of passers-by. He must have been begging. I, his next target, chose to pass by. 
and he said the word poem. I stopped. A poem for spare change? I said yes. He spoke softly. I heard traffic. I heard music from the video store. I heard a couple argue, but I couldn't hear him. I saw his face. I saw his sincerity. I saw his belief in words, but I couldn't hear him. He stopped, looked at me, awaiting my decision on what he's worth. I gave him two dollars and hurried away. I didn't tell him I was running late for a poetry reading. (laughs) Unfortunately, a true story. Um, (laughs) uh, The next two poems are um, fairly short ones. They're both... um, both form poems. Um, this first one is a, is a found poem, and it's called From the Thesaurus. Reword. Change the wording of. Paraphrase. Rephrase. Put into different words or terms. Put another way. Express differently. Rewrite. Translate. Reformulate. <laughs> Thanks. Um, in, um, in 1988, uh, the American poet uh, Billy Collins invented a uh, form of poetry called the paradel. And um, if you look up the word paradel in, um, in Wikipedia, you'll find a very funny story about how he passed it off as a, as a rediscovered um, medieval form of poetry and uh, it, in reality it's just a um, parody of a um, villanelle and uh, it consists of four, um, four stanzas, first two lines the same, third and fourth lines are the same and the last two lines of each stanza um, has to contain every word you've previously used in that, um, in that stanza. Uh, without exception, and the very last stanza, you have to use every word you've used previously. So, it is—it's it, just such a convoluted and complicated thing. Um, it, it lends itself to hilariously bad poetry. And um, so, I, I thought, uh, what would Dylan Thomas do in this situation here if he wrote um, "Do Not Go Gentle" as a paradel? So, um, yeah, this is uh, this is what I call Dylan's paradel, with sincere apologies. Do not go gentle into that good night. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Not of gentle should burn good at close. Go do that age-old rave into night and day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Though wise men at their end know dark is right. Though wise men at their end know dark is right. Dying is at the end, though wise know the rage. Men of light rage against the dark right. Because their words had forked no lightning, they, because their words had forked no lightning, they do not go gentle into that good night. Do not go gentle into that good night. Their good gentle words do go into no lightning, not because they had forked that night. Though good rave should burn into forked lightning, the gentle old men do not go into that, because rave is not good at their age. (laughs) They know dying of rage do no good, right? That close of the day had their gentle words end against night, and at dark go (laughs) night-night.
sorry. <laughs> uh. One of us. It's for John Norman, 1940 to 2002. At the Dan O'Connell Hotel, angry man with shaking fist stands over Johnny. But Johnny is one of us. Plastic leg crossed, cigarette in one hand, Guinness in the other, eyes narrows, replies. No, I will not shut up. I will not be silenced. I shall rave on as much as I damn well like. Johnny's 100 pint club shirt brought to angry man's attention. 20 more here. Angry man's girlfriend takes him away. Johnny grins, continues oration. Amuses and annoys hundred pinters. We let him do it. He's one of us. We know he'll be quiet when Pat McKernan sings, but he'll upstage the dancers by marching through them. When the song finishes, he'll quote biblical text or Shakespeare or Elvis. We'll all say shut up and he'll grin. He's one of us at the art house. First one there, his Monday night chair near the fire is his throne. Smoking the tree of life, he surveys and comments on all. The microphone may be at the other end of the room, but the real stage is wherever he is. First on the open mic, if the MC's introduction is too long, he'll join him or her and carry on regardless. Kubla Khan was written 200 years ago for Johnny alone to recite. Words from a Shakespeare sonnet would ease from his lips onto his gesturing palm dripping between his fingers held outwards for all to behold. Any experience with Johnny is an experience. He was one of us at the Church of All Nations, the pastor said to those there to celebrate Johnny. He'd give a commentary on every sermon, amusing and annoying us all. We let him do it because he was one of us. Flowers piled high on his coffin, tear-eyed pallbearers marching, his final exit to loud applause. Cheers. Uh, yeah, I've just got to um, compose myself just just for a couple of seconds. Um, I've got one more piece to read to you, and uh, well, I, I'll, I'll be reciting it. Um, it's um, it's just over a hundred years um, since the publication of the Sentimental Bloke, and um, and um, yeah, by um, C. J. Dennis, and this is one of the um, chapters or uh, poems from his book called The Play. So here we go. What's in a name, she says. And then she sighs. Clasp the little hands and rolls her eyes. A rose, she says, be any other name would smell the same. Wherefore art you, Romeo, young sir? Chuck your old pot and change your moniker. Doreen and me, we've been to see a show. The swell two-dollar touch. Bong tong, you know. A chair apiece with velvet on the seat. A slap-up treat. The drama's writ be Shakespeare years ago about a balmy goat called Romeo. Lady, by yonder moon I swear, says he. Then he climbs up on the 
balcony and there they smooge a treat with pretty words. Like two lovebirds. I nudge Doreen. She whispers, ain't it grand? Her eyes are shining and I squeezed her hand. <laughs> What's in her name? It's truth, I don't know. Billow's just as good as Romeo. She may be Julia or Juliet. He loves her yet. But when a bloke's in love, his thoughts turn her way, like a home and dove. <laughs> this here Romeo is lurking with a crew. A dead-set crowd of toughs called Montague. His clientest push, what's nicknamed Capulet, they as them set. Fair narcs they are, just like them backstreet cliques. Except they fight with skewers instead of bricks. What's in a name? What's in a string of words? They fight in old Verona with their swords and never give a bloke a stray dog's chance. And that's romance. But when we deals it out in little lawn with bricks and boots, we're low-degraded brutes. What's fair stoush with us right here today is fella if you're far enough away. Someday, some rider bloke will do the trick with Ginger Mick of Spadgers Lane. He'll be a Romeo when he's been dead 500 years or so. <laughs> Fair Juliet, she gives her lad the tip, says she, don't give that crowd of mine no lip, and if you run again a Capulet, just do a get. He swears he's done his... Uh, he, he swears he'll chuck it clean. Just like I did when I first met Doreen. <laughs> <sighs> they smooch some more at that. Strike me blue. Give me Joe's to sit and watch them too. He'd start to say goodbye. He'd break away and start to say goodbye and she'd say, Oh, Romeo, and get a stranglehold. Just like she'd fear he'd bolt. <laughs> Next morning... He words a gospel cove about a secret weapon, a wedding, <laughs> and they plan it out. He feeds a line about how he's bewitched, then they get itched. Now, here's the bit that fair gives me the pip. She's his for keeps, and then he lets her slip. Ah, but he makes me sick. A fair gazob. He's just a glassy on the soulful sob. He'll sigh and spruik and owl a lovesick vow. Silly cow. And just when he's got her, spliced and on the straight, he crawls the pitch and tries to kid its fate. Ah, oh, fate me foot. Instead of sloping soon as he was wet off on his honeymoon, Emmy's cobber, named Mercurio, they has to go and mix it with that push of Capulets. It's trouble they want. It's trouble they get. A tub named Tibble, cousin to the skirt, sprags him and starts to lay off some dirt. Next thing, there's a real old ding-dong go, half a round or so. Mercurio, he gets one in the neck. Ah, oh, rats, he says, and hands in his check. Quite natural. Romeo gets wet as hell. It's me or you, he howls, and with a yell, plugs Tibble in the gizzard with his sword. How I encored. <laughs> Put in the boot, I says. Put in the boot. <laughs> Hush, says Doreen. <laughs> Shame, says 
some silly coot. <laughs> then Romeo, he don't know what to do. The cops get busy like they always do. They nose around till he gets blue funk. Then he does a bunk. Her folks want his tart to wed some other guy. Ah, strike, she says. I wish I could die. Now, this gospel cove, he's a pretty shrewd head. Says he, I'll dope you. Then they'll think you're dead. <laughs> she takes his knockout drops up in her room. They think she's snuffed and plant her in a tomb. Now, things get mixed a treat and really start to whirl. Here comes Romeo back, finds his girl tucked in a little coffin, cold and stiff, and in a jiff, he swallows life soul, throws a fancy fit, head over turkey, and his soul is flit. <laughs> Juliet wakes up and sees him lying there. Turns on the waterworks, tears her hair. Dear love, she moans, I cannot live alone. Grabs his pocket knife and a cares. Peanuts or lollies. Says a boy upstairs. Cheers. <laughs> That's all for today. So until next time, this is George O'Hara for 3CR's Spoken Word.